I'm glad y'all made it in despite the rain today. For church online, it's time to crank it up, time to worship. Let your neighbors hear it. Let's stand on up today. Let's worship the Lord together.
seated right now. Uh, today we are going to celebrate communion, something um, that we do try to do at least monthly, and um, so that's why our schedule is a little bit different today. But um, what I just want you to continue in an attitude of worship. Uh, as we're here today, um, and um, we are reminded way back when, uh, thousand, several thousand years ago, where Jesus was with his disciples, and it was the night before he was going to um, suffer and die um, for us, and he went ahead and they practiced um, a Seder meal, which had been done to look back to the time of Moses, and at that time, we're told that, uh, that Jesus took the bread he used the liturgy that was there for years, thanking God for grain that he may have 
bread to eat. He gave thanks to him and broke it. And he began to give it to his disciples and said, take and eat from this. This is my body, which is broken for you. He took something that was there and made something new out of it. Likewise, after the supper was over, he took the cup. He once again gave thanks. Many people, um, many scholars believe it was the cup of redemption at this point in the meal, which has a great significance. And he began to pass that around to his disciples once again, after he gave thanks to God. Something that had been done for hundreds and maybe even thousands of years. And as it got to each one of them, you can see him saying, this is my cup. This is my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of him. Remember to the mighty acts in Jesus Christ. We celebrate that here today, and we recognize. Now, from Christian tradition, we all like to put our own little stamp on things, and depending on where you came from, whether you're um, from more of a Protestant background, um, you, may, you say that somehow the presence of Christ meets you here. If you're from a Catholic background, you actually go through that, and some of you went to Catholic school where they, it actually becomes the body and the blood of Christ. I, I'm too dumb to know what God wants to do. But what I do know is that it's something that Jesus wanted us to do to remember what he did, to currently look around our world and see what he is doing, but also to give us a glimpse that one day he's going to take us to the heavenly banquet table. And doesn't that sound good, like a heavenly banquet table? I mean, that puts like any kind of smorgasbord here on earth to shame. Just a smorgasbord cooked by the angels. Isn't that cool? I love that. So... As we, as we come together, we want to recognize that. Now, some people, they say, well, you know, we, we like to also put our own rules on there. And I want to give you the rules that you and Jesus work with, all right? Uh, first thing is, do you love God? Do you love God? And um, it's easy to say we love God. Jesus told us that you can tell how we love him by how we love our neighbors, okay? He was very significant. So, so maybe you just need to Go ahead, and we all have a love for God, but we may need to adjust it a little bit. I think we all do. We'll talk about that a little bit today in, in the message. Uh, do you have uh, that sin in your life? And sin, uh-oh, he said the churchy word. He said the S word in church, right? Not that one you're thinking of. The S word in church, the sin word, it just means that you missed the mark. And the scripture tells us that all have missed the mark. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means we've all messed up in this calling that God has placed on our lives. But that's why Jesus came in the first place. That's why Jesus came in the first place, so that we would go ahead and be forgiven for sin through him who was sinless. And if you want to get rid of those areas where you missed the mark and get back on the mark, just tell him, hey, I'm a mess. I'm a spiritual slug. God, go ahead and get me back on the bullseye. And then I would dare say there's some people in your life, a couple people, that you don't get along with very well. A couple people, maybe even in your families, that you don't live at peace with, that maybe you haven't talked to for years, and you've tried, or maybe you don't want to try. A lot of times, Satan uses that as a stepping stone to get in the way. So here's what we do. We say, God, I've forgiven all I can. Help my own forgiveness, and let him do something here. That's all the rules there are, and guess what? I don't know for you. You know, and God knows. But he says, this is his table. This isn't mine. This isn't Haven's. This is his table. And he says, I love you so much. I want to take all that and do something awesome with it and make something good. I want to put you back on the mark where you have uh, resentment and unforgiveness. I want to go ahead and bring healing and forgiveness. That's what I want to do. I want to get you right. So that's what we're going to celebrate today. And so the servers are going to come up. 
with some others. I've asked Debbie to come up today as well. Um, we're going to let the worship team come up as well. As um, We're going to serve from there. Um, they're going to give you some, uh, gonna, Debbie's going to give you some instructions about how we're going to do that. We also is a time where we're going to have that you can come up for the offering as well. So you can have that with you if you'd like to, if it is you. If you're a bit, our guest today, we don't expect you to give anything. Um, and we'll still let you partake of the Lord's Supper. Don't worry about that. Um, but we, you're, you're our guest today, and we're just glad that you're here. Um, Debbie's going to give you some other um, things to say. Thank you. All right. So we're going to have the servers come up, and we'll take care of them first, and then... Um, we'll start at the back and come up this side. We'll have a station here in the center and over on the other side. Gluten-free will be over here. So we'll come up from the back, this side to this side, middle here, and then the far side over on that side. So. And everyone else, just feel free to worship the Lord. You can stand if you'd like or if you want to remain seated, that's fine.
as those individuals who have received from God um, the remembrance of what he's doing now. Just uh, I hope that my prayer is exactly what we sang today during that time, that we say, here's my heart, Lord. Whatever condition it's in, just give it to him. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my life, Lord. With all the pain, all the hurt, all the brokenness, all those things, here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Speak what is true. And so, Lord God, if you bow with me for prayer, Lord God, as we are here today and we are already connected to you in your presence, we pray that the rest of the service will be dedicated into, into you and that you will speak to our hearts and that you'll take our lives and you'll do with it what you will, God. We give you praise in your name. Amen. At this time, what I'm going to do, we're going to transition a little bit. We're going to let our kids head on to our Sunday School Shoreline Ministry now. And, um, and then if you just want to say a brief hello to somebody around you, feel free to do so. Alrighty, alrighty, right. Good to see everyone here today. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, I'm going to go over a couple um, brief announcements, and then we'll go through uh, prayer. A um, couple things that we want to um, discuss. Um, you can see September 16th we have for our next Haven 101 class. If you're interested in becoming a member of the church or knowing more about Haven, um, I do want to um, lift up a new process for announcements and bulletin. We're having some changes in that. And you can see, um, to have them in the bulletin, you can see we will need them uh, emailed to info at havencc.org by 5 p.m. Um, All-in Bible study will be coming up really soon in the second week of October. We will have several weeks there where we are talking about going all-in. Um, and so this, this series before is going to kind of help get us in that place um, to be ready to go all-in. And we will, all, if you're interested in being a small group leader, we will have training for that on September, Tuesday, September 18th at 7 o'clock. Men's and women's groups are restarting. You can see the information. Women will be here tomorrow. Men will be on September 11th. Um, you have an insert for Grief Share, and I'd like you to go ahead and look at this video about Grief Share. Sometimes I forget Jody's gone. My husband Jody died from cancer. I knew in my head, you love God, you trust him, you pray. And that doesn't guarantee that things are gonna go well. But I guess I really didn't know it in my heart My friends invited me out to dinner shortly after Jody died to cheer me up and to help me see the bright side of things. They didn't have a clue as to how I was feeling. It felt like there was a moat between us and there was no bridge. Grief Share helped me realize that I wasn't going crazy 
that it really helped me to focus on the Lord during those dark times. The folks in that grief share group were the only ones who knew what I was going through and how I was feeling. It still hurts, but I'm not suffocating anymore. Grief Share is a support group open to men and women dealing with the death of a loved one. To learn more about Grief Share, speak to the Grief Share leader at your church. All right, so you have the insert in there. It will begin on Wednesday evening, September 26th, 6.30 to 8.30, and there's information about that in here. And um, if you need to contact somebody, you can send it, uh, an email to griefshare at havencc.org, all right? And then we'll make sure that that gets, it's, a, it's an incredible program. It really brings about healing together in groups, all right? Um, also, next week, we need some desserts, and um, I think for, um, for uh, Paris Foundation, if anyone would like to participate in that. Um, let's go to our time of our prayer concerns. Joanne has asked for prayers for her brother-in-law's brother, um, Dan Costin, who is in hospice care. Bill has asked for prayer for uh, the Don Holmes family. Um, he passed away after a, a, an accident. Um, Dawn Miller has asked for prayers for Shane Simmons and Jason Painter. Um, and that their only surviving uh, triplet, Maverick, is given strength he needs to survive. And that Shane and Jason continue um, to add to their faith in God. So then to lean on him. And then also... Uh, for the families involved in the fatal accident, especially the Howe family. Um, you heard, many of you heard about that tragedy that occurred here this week. All right. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer, and we will continue with the rest of the service today. Lord God, here we are before you today. We have several needs, several uh, concerns, several prayer requests, and we are lifting them up before you. Um, there's, there's death. There's loss. There's sickness. Uh, for some of us, God, there's just sickness in our, in our own hearts and minds. And so we just need to call on you to, to bring about your healing, your healing from grief. Seems like that's kind of a theme today, God, with uh, sharing grief share and other things. I know many of us are just carrying around that loss. I know the statements from uh, Mr. Howe and the loss of his children, um, the depths of that, that pain and suffering, God, we, we can't even begin to imagine unless we've been through that. And so, God, we just pray that you will bring some sort of healing to his, his life and to that family and to their friends. For all others who have lifted up prayer concerns and, and uh, in sickness or even in health, for the joys that we have of, um, of weddings and, and birthdays and celebrations like that. And yet in the midst of it all, God, it just seems like the world keeps turning. And so as that song that we sang during during our communion time together with you. Here's our heart, Lord. Here's our heart. So we have so much speaking to our hearts and our minds, and we just need you to speak to us what is true. That you take our lives and that you make them into something that you would see fit, that you would help us uh, further your ministry with around the world. So God, for everything else, we give you praise in Christ's mighty name. Amen. Good morning. Today's reading is from Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. 
I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. That was creepy. All right. I hope everyone's doing well today. Um, so it's, it, you know, I was just thinking it's kind of cool. Um, you can see we're missing some people from our worship team today, and it's just cool that we have other people that can fill in and continue to go, and I, I'm just thankful to God for that. All right, so today we are beginning a new series. If you're here, welcome. If you're not here, welcome for those in church online. Um, we're glad that you are with us in one way or the other. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be doing this series. And I have a question. How many of you remember several years ago, or you may have even had one of those um, bracelets that said WWJD? Anybody have that? What would Jesus do? Anybody remember those things? Okay. Um, and so I want to tell you where it came from, where, where it came from in 1896, believe it or not, there was a pastor named Charles Sheldon, and he wrote this book right here. There's a picture of it up here for you, I believe, This called In His Steps, and it has sold more than 30 million copies, and it was called, and you can see right here, In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? What Would Jesus Do? Um, he is from the area of Topeka, Kansas, and he wrote in this book, and you can still get it in new print. It has a different cover, right? We're gl grateful for that. But in that, in, and we're glad we don't have to dress like that anymore, am I right? Um, but in this, it takes small town living. Anybody ever heard of this book? Okay. It takes small town living, and basically what it does, it has different situations that people in the small town living go through and ask them the question, what would Jesus do? And then several hundred years later, somebody said, wow, that would be a great marketing bracelet. Let's go ahead and do that. And everybody thought WWJD was something that was brand new, but it wasn't. It wasn't at all. So in this series, I'm not going to ask, what would Jesus do? I want to ask you the question, what would Jesus undo? Um, and if Jesus were going to look at our lives, what are the things in my life that are, that are knotted up, that are tangled up, those things that uh, may be, be broken, may be stretched to their limits? And if Jesus got a hold of my life, if I really lived out what I sang, here's my heart, Lord, here's my life, Lord, speak what is true, do what you want to with it, wh what would he untangle first in my life? So like I, like I tell people a lot of times, I, I'll teach a philosophy class, and a lot of times I'll tell people, hey, a lot of times the other classes, you have to look for stuff out here. What I want you to do is to look in here. And so to, what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is Jesus is going to cause us to look here, and we're going to untangle some stuff, maybe some knotted up stuff that has been there for years and years and years. So it's a good opportunity, but it's also a little bit scary, am I right, when we begin to let Jesus Go ahead and do that. 
What are the things that Jesus just can't stand when we look about um, when he, in his ministry? What are the things that Jesus looks at in his earthly ministry and says, it just breaks my heart to see people doing that? And that's what we're going to kind of do. What would he undo? How many of you have ever bought a gift for someone? Like you thought hard, you maybe spent a lot more money than you should have, and you got really, really excited, and they kind of just went, or they didn't open it. Or worse, you may have gotten something for them. I remember when I was a kid, I, was, I wasn't a young kid, but next to 47, everything's kind of young. Um, so, but when I, was, when I was probably about in my early 20s, I remember I got an opportunity. My parents had got me something to see my boyhood idol and have him autograph a couple things for, for me. And my boyhood idol, I was a huge baseball fan. His name was Peter Edward Rose. Anybody remember Pete Rose? Okay, some of you guys don't know, Google it, you'll see a lot about him. Forget the stuff about gambling, he was a good baseball player, all right? So, but Pete Rose, like one of my greatest things ever was when Pete Rose became a Philly, my two worlds came together, and the sky opened, it was like, ah, right? And I was thrilled, and they won the World Series, it's a great time, all right? So, I got a chance to go see Pete Rose, and it was right around our birthdays. Did you hear that? Our birthdays. Because I was supposed, supposed to be born on Pete Rose's birthday, April 14th, but I took a little bit long to cook, and I got there April 17th, three, three days later. But I was going to see him, so Jack was going to go ahead and give him a birthday card. I was all excited. I was going to see Pete Rose, number one, Charlie Hustle, that's his nickname, and I was going to go ahead, and I walked up there, and I saw him, and I said, hey, how you doing? Oh, such an honor to meet you. Here, son, he signed my big Wheaties poster. I still have that. He signed um, a flat uh, picture. He signed this, and then I, I said, here you go. Happy birthday, and I gave him the card, and he went, have a nice day. I was like, you jerk. <laughs> I was crushed. Charlie Hustle, he is a jerk, right? Okay, you learn those things. How many of you ever experienced that? And the, the, like you, you think hard for gifts, and people go, eh. Right? And it kind of crushes you in the midst of it. So think about Jesus. In heaven, he leaves heaven, comes down to earth, grows in, in what was considered more impoverished areas of the time. He begins to teach, and he begins to, to have most of the people he came for not like him at all. Matter of fact, they decide they want to kill him so much so that he suffers and he dies in the midst of this. He gave us forgiveness of sins. He is the living word of God. He gives us access to the Father through prayer, something that we didn't have before. And then on top of that, he gives us a spiritual mission. And he says, that same spirit that raised me from the dead, I give to you. And every day, we may just go, huh, and push it aside. What do you think breaks Jesus' heart? That he's given us all this. Given us his only son. So much so that we just say it so quickly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we just say it like a rote. And we kind of go, yeah, hmm. We just push it aside. Our theme verse for this series comes from Mark chapter 4, and it's right up here. I'd like you to look at it. It's from the message version, and I love the translation because it fit very well. But Jesus is telling a lot of parables because he wanted them to get the gift that he was really bringing. And he says this, with many stories like these, he presented his message to them, fitting the stories into their experience and maturity. 
He was never without a story when he spoke. Look at what it says here. Next thing. And when he was alone with his disciples, those that he really wanted to grant the fullness of his gift to immediately, he went over everything, sorting out the tangles and untying the knots. I, I hope that, that and pray that that's what the series will do. I hope that during this time that Jesus is meeting with us and that he will sort out the tangles and untie the knots. How many remember back in the days where you had to reuse Christmas lights every year? Anybody remember that? And no matter how you put them away, the tangle monster got to it, right? And no matter how it came out, and there was always a bulb that was missing, and you were tangled up, and you, how many of you hated that experience? How many are glad that they're like a dollar now? Yes, and that's where we are. So we are like the old Christmas lights, and God's not throwing us away. He wants to untangle us in some of those areas and sort out the things and knots, the tangles and the knots. So what would Jesus undo? Well, today I want to talk about something that everyone can relate to. Everyone can relate to at some level, and it's the concept of spiritual apathy or indifference. We're not new in our generation to apathy, particularly when it centers around the things of God. Like, for instance, we are not, we're, we're not amazed by things anymore, are we? Like, how many of you take out your cell phone and go, oh, my gosh, <gasps> wow, oh, I can make a phone call. <laughs> wow, I can search that thing called the Internet. I don't know where it goes, but it's awesome. How many of us are just amazed by that? How many of us are, are amazed by electricity and air conditioning? This week you were when it was hot, weren't you? Woo, I'm amazed by this now. We have things in our lives, and we don't get amazed by it. We get calloused in our comfort. We get calloused in our comfort. How many are amazed that you're sitting on a seated chair? None of us. I tell you, when we originally were going to go into the church, and one of the greatest fundraisers ever in the history of ministry that I've been in was when we went to people and we said, hey, and we only have enough budgeted money for folding chairs, so if you'd like to give to padded chairs, here you go. Man, you guys were so concerned about your rear ends, you gave extra. You wanted to make sure you had one in, in the kitty in case that one wore out. You see, our comfort gets us complacent at times as well. And so Jesus recognized that we're, we're not different. We live in this time. We recognize that we live in this eh, Time, kind of, oh, yeah. We live in this kind of time where we're not amazed by the giftedness that we have. And Jesus dealt with some churches that did the same thing. In the book of Revelation, he wrote seven letters to seven churches. And there's one church that I would say is the eh church. It's got eh. It's the church of Laodicea. Many of us have heard of this before, but Laodicea was an interesting city. It was an extremely wealthy city by its days, and yet 35 years before this letter was written to them, it was completely destroyed by an earthquake. Now, back then, they didn't have bulldozers that came in and crews that moved everything out. Often, they would have to build somewhere completely different or wait years and build on top of that. But this place, Laodicea, was so wealthy. How wealthy were they? I'm going to tell you, they were so wealthy, there we go, thank you, 
that they completely rebuilt their city. And they built it bigger and better and better. It had all kinds of things in there. It had a theater. It had a stadium. It had lavish bathhouses. It had shopping centers and all kinds of other stuff. It was the Dubai of the day. It was the Vegas of the day. It had any kind of wonder you would ever want to have in there. Except they had a problem. They had a bad water supply. And they couldn't just go down the store like we do and buy bottled water. If I took bottled water to them then, they would have been like, wow. They would have been thrilled by it. But they had wealth, so they built aqueduct systems. And they had them coming from two places. One was a place called Colossae, and they had cold water because they were from the mountains. They had that nice cold water. And then there was Hierapolis. It sounds like a place where Superman would be. I'm from Hierapolis. And so they, they were there, and it was hot springs. The hot springs of Hierapolis on next Super Friends, okay? So I'm sorry. This is my ADHD. Just go with me, all right? So and they had hot springs. So you had all the way here, you had Colossae, cold. You had all the way here, Hierapolis, hot. And it would travel on this aqueduct system. And by the time it got there, it was dirty. It was lukewarm and tempered. And it was just even sulfury. You ever smell like that sulfur smell of water? And you say, mm, I take a drink. No. We smell that. We're like, ugh. Right? This is what they had. Had all the things that they had, but their water supply was bad. And Jesus knew this. And he knew that... They needed to share with them. There was something about them. How many of you like cold tea, like iced tea, right? How many like hot tea? How many like kind of lukewarm, tepid tea, sulfury tea, all right? Something's wrong with you, all right? Um, welcome to church, where, Haven Church, where we tell you something's wrong with you. Okay. Here's what Jesus wrote to them in chapter 3 of Revelation. He says... I know your deeds. I know your deeds. I know what you've been doing. If he would say that to us today, he said, I know what you did this week. I know what you've been doing throughout the summer. I know what you've been doing. Look at the person next to you and say, God knows what you're doing. <laughs> God knows what we're doing. And here's what he says. You are neither what? Or cold. You're neither Hierapolis or Colossae. He said, I wish you were one or the other, but because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I am about ready to spit you out of my mouth. Actually, the direct terminology is vomit. This is what makes Christ want to vomit. In other words, you're stale, you're detached, you're going through the motions. And that spiritual apathy just breaks God's heart. I was thinking about some things in my life that I've had in my mouth that I just started to go, ugh. Okay? Some of them are, when Melissa and I were on our honeymoon, we had this, I think it was called a grape tree cocoa plum. And they were like, try it. And you pulled it off a tree and you stuck, put it in your mouth. And it sucked any amount of saliva out of your mouth. It was like, Ugh. I was like, Ugh. you need water. Water. Okay? You need that. Or I'm a texture kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like if I have something in there that doesn't fit with a texture, like I'm going to get you hungry right now. Um, like I like chicken cheesesteaks. I like cheesesteaks. 
I like food. You don't get this body by not. And, and I remember I will eat, like if I'm eating a chicken cheesesteak, I will be like eating and be like this. And if I bite into like that gristle piece, yeah, I got you now, don't I? I'm like, mm, done. I don't care if it's the first bite. I'm like, mm, no, this is disgusting. I cannot do it. I can't take another bite because I chew like, I, I, like, I'm, like I'm searching in my mouth. Like, Anybody with me here? All right, yeah. Mm, you're waiting to, like you're mining in your mouth. And, and so it, you know, I just can't do that grisly kind of stuff. When, when I've ever eaten a steak, I cut like, there's like a buffer zone around the fat of it because I don't want that in my mouth. Anybody with me here? Some of you will eat everything, and something is wrong with you with the other people. So it's just there's something about that texture that's just... Some of you may be seeing something if you see something. Some of you, it may be even if somebody mentions something that's a little gross at the table, and you go, ooh, and you just have that, that kind of sick reflex. I, you know, the Internet is great and disgusting at the same time. Um, and, you know, like... There's just a lot of kind of things that people um, have have written on there, and I just picked a couple of them. One person said they were eating M&Ms one time and dropped one on the ground and picked it up and thought it was one, and it was a filled dog tick. Now you know how God feels, all right, about spiritual apathy. Oh, I'll save you the other ones. That one worked, okay? It's got some juice, so anyway, sorry. Now, now, Jesus said, the same feeling that you have with that dog tick is how Jesus feels when we are neither hot nor cold, but we're lukewarm, when we're just lukewarm. So what are the causes of our spiritual apathy. I, I'm gonna, there's tons of them I can talk about. I'm not going to. I'm going to talk about two of them here today. And the first one is this. Our false illusion of self-sufficiency. That we believe that we are self-sufficient. Look what, is, what Jesus says here in the next verse. He says this. He says, you say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched you are pitiful, you are poor, you are blind, you are naked. You don't realize that you have that. You see, one of the things, and I shared this with our, our, our team the night before we came back from Haiti, I said the biggest challenge to our, our faith, the biggest challenge to us in acting and continuing faithful to God and to the people here is our comfort. It is the biggest thing, because when we get comfortable, you forget when we get comfortable, we forget that right now, even though our, our world and our country has lots of problems, we forget that there are brothers and sisters right now in this world who are dying for the cause of Christ. All you have to do is talk to somebody a little bit about your faith, and you'll find out that they have this attitude of, I'm fine, I've got it, I'm good, I got everything, I got my house, I got this, I got that, I got that. We are, the illusion of self-sufficiency has made us not have a need for God, and we exist in that part, and it makes Christ gagged because we, we want him here when we want him, but we don't want him. We have wealth, but Jesus is saying, you are spiritually bankrupt. Our lives are full of stuff, and it's empty meanings. Have you ever wondered why we're drawn to so much stuff? And I like stuff. Stuff's cool. But we're drawn to so much stuff 
above and beyond, and we feel fully satisfied. There's so many of us that say, if we have this, then we'll be happy. Our marketing is telling us, you need this, then you'll be happy. How many of you ever bought something thinking you'll be happy, and you're not? Because they come out with something else that'll make you happier and make you even happier. I could give you a point after point in my life. So we believe that we are self-sufficient and we don't need God. The next thing, and I think this is one of the biggest ones, is he says this, the distractions of the world. We are far too distracted. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus gave a great example of uh, tells one of these stories. Remember, he was telling these stories to help untangle, right? Untangle the knots. And he's telling the story about a, a, a sower who's throwing seed, and some's going on some good land, uh, some's going on some bad ones. Some are in look starts off well and doesn't. And he talks about these one. He said, he said, now this one, the worries of start off well, but the worries of life, this life, and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke out the world, making it unfruitful. If that isn't a verse for our world and our country today, I don't know what is. That we start off well. Some of you, this may be your life story. You may have started off well in your relationship with God. You may have started off with a dynamic relationship with Christ where you're on fire, and then life happens. It could have been the negativity in life. And life happens, and it started to gear you off. It could have been just the busyness of life. The busyness of life. You have bills to pay. You have places to go. You have people to meet. You have dishes and laundry to do. You have kids and events and car maintenance. So much so that we will multitask and we'll put God in the midst of our multitasking rather than just stopping and knowing he's God. And we wonder where he is. But the scripture doesn't say, do all those things and know I'm God. It says, be Still, and know I'm God. And we just aren't still. So I think the biggest tool of Satan is not to tell us that God doesn't exist or you don't need to be in church. It's to keep us so busy. And sometimes it's really good stuff. I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's your activity in church. Sometimes we're so caught up in the activities of Christianity that we can't be still and know God. I've heard this said um, I don't know who said it, but they said, feeling numb is not the absence of feeling, but the sensation of feeling too much at once. And some of us are walking through life numb because we're feeling way too much, and we have too much on us, and we have too much coming in, and we don't know what to do with it. And we, we, we may even be in the right place where our God should be and where God should meet us, but we don't feel it because of the distractions and because of our self-sufficiency. And we're distracted. So what do we see in life? We see that we have a little bit of Jesus in the midst of all the lot of bit of stuff. We don't have, give all out to Jesus, like giving every day and connecting to his glory. We have a little bit there, but there's not enough for a complete breakthrough. You see that spiritual apathy. That's how spiritual apathy happens. I'm not saying that people say, mm, not important to me. I'm saying that life and the demands of life. Isn't that what it says there? The worries of this life. Have you ever been so worried about something in life that you couldn't take time and focus on what you were supposed to do? And very often, if we're honest with ourselves, the first thing that goes by the wayside is serving God. 
and connecting to Christ. I've seen it in millions of times where people sign up for Bible studies. They want to grow and, and they want to connect. And often I think some of the greatest thing is to connect with people in the Bible study than the stuff that you're learning. And in the midst of that, when life gets difficult, and I will say in the front of every Bible study, anybody who's taking one with me knows, I will say, things will happen to not have you be here. Don't let it take it from you. And every time in life those things happen, that starts to be one of the first things that goes away in our busyness of life. They start off great, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, what are we chasing after? We chase after stuff that's not going to go with us. Like I said the other week, we'd never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. And the desires for other things, for the other things, choke out the word of God in our lives. So how do I know if I'm living lukewarm apathy? Apathy. I'm going to share with you some things really quickly. So put on your seatbelt because we're going to go and hit these very quickly. If we are more concerned with impressing people than living for God. In the book of Timothy, it displays how many times we, we live to please others um, and how we are here. He says in the end times, people will be lovers of self and not lovers of God. Jesus said, woe to you. Everybody say, well, woe to you. When all people speak well of you. You know, yeah, like remember last week I was saying that I, I had some people that I don't think like me in life and I'm shocked by that. But I shouldn't be shocked by that. If everybody likes you, then you're doing a lot of pleasing and God help you. God help you. Because um, you can't please all the people all the time. Some of us will exist through our lives to do anything to please people. And I spent a lot of my life trying to please people rather than God and it got me... Um, wanting, it got me lost, and I wanted to take this whole ministry thing and throw away because I was trying to please people. What I've learned is if I'm trying to please people, I am never going to please God, ever. So guess what? There's going to be a time where you're not going to like something I say or do. Guess what? Take it up with a big guy. That's who I've got to please because that's the one who I'm going to bow down before. That's the one who I need to serve. And he says, Jack, if you're trying to please everybody all the time, you're not going to please me any of the time. So you need to adopt that to your own life. Number two, we are obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity. It's all about what we can get here. Jesus said, if you love the things of this world, the love of the Father is not in them. This is Jesus' words, not mine. And believe me, I'm stepping on Jack's own toes here. I'm doing a two-step up here. In other words, what we're looking at, we spend time with what I, ha um, what I have versus what I'm called to do. What I have versus what I'm called to do. I will dare say that there may be somebody in the sound of my voice that God called you to a ministry position years ago, may have called you to missionary experience, and you're not doing it because you want to do, do life this way. And so you're living a life that you were not created for. And that's a bad place to be. A bad place to be. The next thing is we rationalize sin. There's that S word again. And live without truly fearing God. We have a good skill that we'll rename sin now. We go ahead and rename it. We call selfishness, oh, they're just taking care of themselves. We call gossip just normal discussion. And we say, who are you to judge me? You got your own problem. And we quote that one verse of scripture, do not judge lest you be judged. Right? And then we'll turn around and go, let me tell you about what that person was doing. Right? We'll go through that. 
It says, I'm, I'm going to tell you something really interesting about that verse. It says, if you judge someone, you better stand up to that measure. There are some things that you should be judging with because you can stand up to that measure. All right? That's okay if you can stand up to it. But be ready to not stand up to something else. That's called building each other up. That's called iron sharpening iron so that we can be better. We rationalize. Um, we call somebody who's nasty and hateful strong-willed or honest. I'm just honest. I tell people the truth. Your version of the truth, right? We have that as well. Next one, number four. We believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. We have him. We have a relationship with him. Matter of fact, even, even our churches have been geared to get us our ticket bunched and and then we're good for heaven. We say a sinner's prayer. We cross T's, dot I's, get voted by a church, say, woohoo, yeah, or whatever our background is. And then we're done. We don't have to tell anybody anything else. Why don't we share? Maybe because we're still trying to please people. Or maybe because we don't fully believe in what we say we believe in. At times in my life, I've been more vocal about my sports teams, my favorite music, my favorite television shows, and everything else than I have been about my faith and relationship with Christ. And I think it's a boat that many of us can be in. Number five, we only turn to God when we need him. When God benefits or fits us, when God meets this box. When life gets tough and we, we, we place and say, I need God. Nothing else has worked. I need God. Me, yeah. I've been blessed in my, in my life and ministry to be with people who, when they have nothing else, when they can reach out nowhere else, they reach out to me in areas. And I'm, and I'm blessed to be in those situations. But oh, that I wish that people would not see me, that they would see Jesus in the midst of that. That it wouldn't just be this world that we want a quick fix to everything, but it would be something that we're really willing to seek out who God is for our lives. And number six, the last thing, we're not much different than the rest of the world. We're entertained the same way the world is. We spend money the same way. We have our same morals as the rest of the world. And all along, when it comes to our spirituality, we go, eh, yeah. You're so frustrated. In my own life, I've been frustrated and distracted by several things. Anybody ever bought a car? Like sometimes you get, now, how, many, how many research absolutely everything? Used to be you just had consumer reports, right? Now you check every internet place. You check all the blogs and see what that does. You look at it. The last car I just bought um, a little bit ago, I looked for like three, four months on the web, checking it out. I put in cars.com and all the other CarMax, and I looked everywhere. It was, it was a mission. And do you know that, that, I, got, that I, I, got, I got a decent car, but I got so obsessed with that, that I would spend time at night, I would take off prayer time to go ahead and focus on getting my car. Something of this world took precedence over God because I was neither hot nor cold, but I was lukewarm. And Jesus said, Jack, that car will perish with you, and I'm about ready to spit you out of my mouth. You see, some of us may need to get to that hot and cold area. So in the remainder of our time here today, this not only breaks Jesus' heart, but it makes him sick to his stomach. Ready? I'm going to get a reaction out of you. Dog tick. There we go. So what do we need to do to reignite? 
the fire. Normally, I would give you a list. Normally, I would go ahead and say, well, you need to get in the word of God, and then you need to pray, and then you need to share your faith and witness, and then you need to be in the fellowship of believers. Then you need to give of your time, talents, and gifts. Then you need to be in worship and really worship. Let go and worship. And you need to turn and repent from your sins. And all those are really good. But if I gave you all those things to do, you're going to be overwhelmed. Like I'm going to be. So what's one simple thing I can give to you today? And I think if you do this, this is one of the most important things I think I've ever said. Because it changes your life. Every day, do something that requires faith. Every day, faith is being sure what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Every day, we need to do something, something that needs God that we can't do on our own, our own doing. I started thinking about this because even in the midst of ministry, my life starts to get in a cyclical pattern. Anybody with me? I feel like that old Dunkin' Donuts guy, time to make the donuts. And you have this pattern. You go from point A, Monday, the alarm will hit. You go from point A to point B. You'll fit a workout in. You'll eat lunch. You'll go ahead. You'll go here. You'll do this. You'll go to that. Wednesday, you'll, have, um, you'll go to work. You'll go ahead. You'll do this. You'll go ahead. You'll go to praise team. You'll do this. You get in this cyclical pattern. And before you know it, you look back at your schedule and say, my life is no different. And you start to ask yourself, and God wants to ask you, where in your schedule each day did you require faith to do something? It might be something like this, to stand up for somebody, even though you know you're going to be mocked. It may be giving in an area where it may be a stretch for you to give, and you need to trust God. It may be to apologize to someone and to forgive, even if you don't feel like it or want to. It may be volunteer at your next small group to pray out loud. Or maybe it's just to be part of a small group and to take that step. Maybe it's to expose your health, your, your life to something that your heart was broken by and to really look at it. Maybe it's to pray for something that's completely impossible or to tempt something you never could without God's help. What the scripture says is this, without faith it is impossible to please God. And James tells us that faith without works, without action is dead. As we see here in Revelation, Revelation 19, Jesus says, I correct and discipline everyone who I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference or your apathy. I have found something in life, it's easier not to care. One of the things that you may start off by doing in faith is there's an area that you, you, you ever been in a place you know if you get involved with it, it's going to go ahead and, you, man, it's going to mess with you. I know that we've had people who've been involved with our homeless ministries here, and it's touched their hearts in a way, and they're like, oh, wow, I didn't, oh, man. Sometimes you wish you could go back so you didn't, so it wouldn't touch your heart in an area. Or you get involved in addiction ministry, or, or maybe you say, I just can't, I can't care about people anymore. It hurts too bad. Sometimes you just may be praying, and you just start weeping for the people that you're praying for because it hurts. It hurts, and you say, God, this is impossible. But I want to tell you, life, it is better to hurt with purpose than to exist without one at all. What would Jesus undo? I believe the first thing Jesus wants to undo in his church universal is spiritual apathy. Spiritual apathy. 
We need to stop being that dog tick. You guys won't forget that one, will you? We need to stop being that way. I need to stop being that way because, like I said, in the midst of ministry, sometimes you lose God. In the midst of the busyness of of a week in less than 24 hours, two weddings and a funeral, and and rest of life, I felt like I was the next person they were going to bury because that's how I felt. I felt, I'm here I am sharing the goodness of God and his resurrection of the dead and his promise of eternal life. And I felt about as connected to God as this much. Because I'm tired. Because I'm worn out. Because the worries of this life. Because of somebody liking something and not liking something. Because this, when you get focused on pleasing others in your life, you will never please and experience God. You with me? You're doing the same thing in all your lives. I could sit here and say, I'm, bu- I'm busy. Remember last week we said, that's a bad genre. Oh, I'm busy. Be still. Be still. Jesus says, get still. I would rather you be hot or cold, one way or the other, than to know that I am God, to know who I am. Now, this isn't one of those sermons you go, "Woo, great job. Woo, I'm excited. I am lukewarm, yay. Because we are all there somewhere, right? We are all there. We are all there. But I think that's why I don't want you to do the list. I want you just to say, what's one thing that I can do that requires faith each day? And watch God move in your life in incredible ways. Because as a pastor, I want to share with you what I struggle with, but I also want to share with you how God wants to grow his church, how God wants to do amazing things, and your giftedness to begin to come to the forefront. I think that's incredible. All right? Everybody good? Amen. Let's stand on up. just go to God in prayer, and as always, the altar's open, or you can uh, use that wherever you want. God, that verse that is on the front of our bulletin, that you went over everything, sorting out the tangles and untying the knots. I don't like reading about areas where I'm knotted up in my spirit. I don't like looking at myself and feeling like like I can't do what I need to do. I don't like thinking that, honestly, God, I I like being self-sufficient. I like it. I like the badge of being self-sufficient for you. I like the fact that uh, in my life I can deal with a wide range of things, but really what's happening is the worries and trials of life are choking out your word. Help me not to, to stop relying on you. God, I feel right now that in the sound of my voice, there are some that you're, you're starting to work on some of these knots. You're starting to, to work with them. And some have been together so long that they're just held together. But... You're not giving up. So right now, God, in the sound of my voice, anyone who hears this, it says, you know, hey, here's my heart, Lord. Knotted up as it is with pain and hurt and, and confusion and 
It might even be geared to you, God, that why? We have a lot of whys in our mind. And yet, no answer comes to the forefront, so we get even more frustrated. And we're busy, and we're, we're moving, and we're removers and shakers, and we go ahead, and we're doing things. Or we may be part of the, eh, and we've taken your gift of your son, and we've just gone, eh. Lord, just have a still for this moment. Have a still. So with, with our eyes closed, even if we're at home right now, if you, if you just say, yeah, I started off well, but life has choked it down. And, and I'm going through the motions or I may even feel in a, in a decent place, but I know that I'm not fully there with you. I might be a little bit to the hot side, a little bit to the cold side, but I want to get to where you want me to be. That's where you are, and you just want to, what's the more, rekindling of the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life. Just kind of lift your hand where you are and say, I need that. I need that fire in my life again. God, you know my hurt, you know in the knots that I have. Don't be afraid to just go ahead and say, here I am. Here I am, God. Lord, I just thank you for those people who have said, yeah, that's what I need. And, parent, you know, looking at those things, it's not going to be difficult. But help me today begin to do something that requires faith and watch you just bring that spark of fire right back into my life like never before. Here we are, Lord. We are your children, and we love you. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not getting rid of us and spitting us out of your mouth and saying, I'm about ready to, and give us another chance to connect to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Sovereign hand 
I was just thinking of some of the words in that, um, let me walk up on the water. And I was just thinking, I wonder if Peter got up that day. 
I mean, think how cool it would have been to walk with Jesus every day knowing that something was going to happen. It was going to be something amazing. Guess what? He still does. Get up tomorrow and say, oh, something's going to happen today. Maybe I'll be asked to walk on water. Maybe God will ask me to press the borders. That's doing something that requires faith every single day. And like the great book written by John Ortberg, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. All right, so let's, uh, we'll be getting out of the boat. Next week's probably one of my favorite in the series, if not the favorite. And it's going to be lips and hearts. I almost said lips and hips. It's not that. It's lips and hearts. Lips and hearts. So have a great week. Thank you all. And, and if you're um, visiting, love to see you. If you have any inform- want any information, please see somebody. Say hello to somebody before you get out of here. Days.